Welcome, welcome to mailbag number 11. 11. I uh, didn't think we'd get to 11, but here we are, Vince. Here we are. Hold on, that actually just made me think of a song. Who sings that song, uh, Here I Am, the one that you love? Here I am. The one that you love asking for another day. You know what song I'm talking about? Yeah, another day. It's like Light FM type stuff. It is, like Yacht Rock. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yacht Rock, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I have to. I have to. Let's keep going, though. I'll, I'll figure that out. Okay, so a lot lighter on the questions, uh, probably because we missed a couple episodes on vacay. Uh, but the first question, Vince, is actually over to you. So we did this episode called, Is It Appropriate to Appropriate? Uh and someone has a question, again, directly for you, which is, have you ever found yourself annoyed by someone wearing things that you thought were uh, culturally inappropriate for them to wear? They're asking you specifically. Uh, you know, I, I don't think cultural cultural appropriate appropriateness has ever been the reason sometimes i just think it's inappropriate point blank you know <laughs> um i think sometimes and i may have mentioned this during the podcast like if if someone is trying to like i have no problem if, if you can get away with skinny jeans do it for as long as you can you know but then there's a there's a cutoff where it's like what are, what are you doing and then if you're trying to reach over generations, you know, you, you, you know, you want to remain young, then at least be tasteful about it and uh, get some, get a consultant or something. I don't know. Get somebody to help you pick out the outfits. So it's just not, you know, everything uh, all at once, like the movie, you know, like uh, everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it look, looks like. Somebody threw up urban fashion uh, uh, onto you, not coordinated at all. Um, okay. Yeah, but you know, like I just think that people should be allowed to. You know, I love dressing. You know, I love uh, clothes, and so um, it's a form of expression, and you should be allowed to to express yourself. In the way you are, or the way you see yourself. Okay, and I, I mean, I think that answers the question. What I didn't read was sort of the um, maybe the little bit of judgment behind the question. Uh, so this person uh, is surprised that you, as a black male, has never found it have found something that someone wore as being uh, uh, culturally inappropriate, um, and so. I'm just adding that on the back end, but I asked you the more sort of direct question that they did ask, which was, have you ever not found that to be the case? Um, and so I think you answered it. Um, anything you want to add based on that little sort of judgmental tone that was in the write up before the question? Like they're surprised. They would find it hard to believe that, you know, you've never been in that position before. Yeah. Black people are not a monolith and uh, I'm sure I'm not alone. You know, like I don't even know, I don't even know where stuff like that comes from. Like, yeah. as a black person, you don't like all of our experiences and outlooks are the same. That they're not, they are not. Um, which is why um, there are black people who people might say 
don't talk black and don't look black, you know, or dress black or act black. What is acting black? Where does that come from? What informs that judgment? And so, uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, <laughs> when, I, your face. when I'm, when I'm mentoring like, uh, kids, you know, who come yeah. from the cities and, uh, you know, they're talking about, let's say code switching, you know, um, and they feel that, you know, it's their, they have every right to talk the way they, they talk. Okay. And I just ask them, what's the intent of the conversation? Is it to be understood? Uh, is it to be impactful? Or is it to be true to self? Because true to self, one is informed by how you define self. Um, it doesn't have to come with all of those caveats, but you may include them. And if that is your main goal, then, you know, maybe it doesn't matter as much if people don't understand or your communication is not effective. Um, I think everything has its, its place. You take something like profanity, you know, like, being grown, in my opinion, is not being able to use uh, profanity. It's knowing when to use it and when not to use it. And so if, if you, you know, you, you're sitting in the middle of a Starbucks, you don't have to use all the F-bombs in your arsenal to have a conversation. It's not appropriate to the environment. Uh, and that's not a white or black issue. That's not a, that's a human issue. Like, what are we doing? Like to to me, I, I I don't I don't see things um, uh, that way. Now I can go to Newark and I can hang out hang out with the fellas and and talk like the fellas because I'm talking to people who talk that way. You know, I can go to South Carolina and visit my family down there, and it, again, if my goal is to be impactful in my communication and effect and effective in my communication, then I'm not going to talk over them or talk down to them. Uh, I'm going to talk in so that, the, you know, they understand. Um, everything has a place. And I think uh, dress is no different. You know, you yeah. want to roll with the, you want to roll with the big boys? I mean, you want to, you want to, you want to be uh, in the stock market? You might want to look stock market, stock marketish or something, you know, like. Uh, and if you don't, then. And you want to be that's that's fine, too. I, I, here's what I'm going to say. I think we're gonna, we might have to do a whole episode on this at some point, um, because I know what some people would say, like about your last comment, they would say. As long as people have to dress stock marketish in order to maybe fit in with the stock market, uh, we are uh, basically just pushing, you know, unfair dress codes. We're pushing, um, you know, uh, standards of professionalism that are, you know, racist or old school or things like that. I do want to have an entire discussion on that because there is a lot of talk about that. There's a lot of talk about how people dress 
in context to what traditional dress looks like in that work profession. And there's people who intentionally don't dress that way because they say, uh, you know, I'm not going to get in just to fit in, but but that should not harm my, you know, glide pad. That should not harm my whatever, um, you know, my how people see me in that profession. Um, so I'd love to unpack that whole thing with you. Um, I just yeah, uh, I, I just want to clarify something. Though. I'm not saying people should have to do that. As a matter of fact, I'm acknowledging that they don't have to do it. Like you don't have to do it if you don't want to do it. What is your intention? You know. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, oh, I know, I know that's not what you were saying. I just, it just, it made me think of conversations I've heard about the topic. That's all. Um, let me get to the second question or the second, well, this is a direct question. And this one isn't about a podcast we've done, but it's about something that's been in the news. So what do you think about Ben Crump suggesting that we change the definition of crime in order to lessen the amount of uh, Blacks and African-Americans who are arrested. Um, I'll just give you the context, Vince. I don't know if you know this, but um, obviously you know who Ben Crump is. Um, he he was doing a, 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 a gig, I think, on MSNBC, and what he was talking about was the criminalization of Black culture and how a lot of laws have been created specifically in response to Black culture. So in that context, what he said was, maybe we should change the definition of crime. People, Some people took it literally, and what they basically said was, oh, so we're going to change the definition of murder, the definition of race. That's not what he was getting at. That is not what he was getting at at all. So I'm going to answer this question, then I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, yes, his words were, change the definition of crime. He didn't literally mean the Webster's definition. He also, he certainly didn't mean make it so that murder isn't a crime or rape isn't a crime. What he was getting at was, was to look at some of the crimes that had been created, look at whether or not some of those should in fact be crimes. Things that we define as criminal today, some of them could be redefined so that they're not criminal today. And again, he wasn't speaking about rape and murder and things of that sort of seriousness. Uh, again, he preceded this whole conversation by talking about the criminalization of black culture. So to me, this is one of those quotes that has been taken out of context by people who um, who don't listen to understand and who probably already have an issue with Ben Crump or social justice work. Uh, but that is, it needs context in order for it to be properly responded to. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I, I mean, that I, I I get, I do get where he's coming from, um, in that it, I think all in all, you know, you know, we should be able to go back and revisit some of these laws and some of the statutes and some of these things that were created at a time when, um, I mean, it's, it's no secret that, you know, policing, uh, really was at, at one point in our history laws were created uh to uh to institutionalize uh inequity you know when it comes down to uh the time that people serve the convictions that they get the sentencing the you know um all of these things 
uh, I, I think it's worthwhile to go back and revisit some of those things because I know that there are still states uh, in particular that um, have some of these old laws in place and are able to arrest people on a dime, hold you without bail, you know, keep, you know what I mean? Just, or give you, you know, it's, at some point, ensure you have a criminal record. 100%. Uh, which uh horrible. And um, I'll say this as well, and then kick it back to you, Chris. It was said many years ago, and I just thought it always stood out to me that um, with the justice system, uh, what we deem as the justice system uh, today is not about whether you do a crime or you don't do it. It's whether or not you end up in that system. Your guilt or innocence has nothing to do with the justice system. If you end up in it, it can be a very difficult thing to get out of. I mean, you consider how it's structured, you know, public defenders are assigned to you if you don't have the money to defend yourself. Lawyers come into it with from the perspective of how do I not lose, not how do I win? You know, so, you know, if they can get you to plea, you're the one that's suffering. You're the one that's going to do six months or whatever the shorter sentence is, because you might have been looking at five years. You know, they leverage that threat against you. And then you feel like, well, I guess I have to take it, you know, so because if I fight it, that could be five years. That could be this. That could be that. I could do these six months and be out. But then you were incarcerated and that's on your record. So it's just not set up, you know. Uh, it's got a lot of people behind bars. And then once you become a product of the system, then how do you ever really get out of it? You know, I mean, you can't do six months in a in a prison and it not change you to some degree. Then you reenter society and you have this, this cloud hanging over you. Um, it can be transformational uh, in a very bad way when it comes down to what opportunities lie ahead. And you need someone to gift you um, a second chance. And not a lot of people are willing to do that. So, um, yeah. I'll, I'll over to you. That's all. I'll add on that. Quote he a quote he said during the interview. If you get to define what conduct is going to be going to be made criminal, you can predict who the criminals are going to be. So all he's getting at is is not define redefine crime as a whole, but as Vince said, look at some crimes to determine whether or not they should have ever been made criminal and whether we can decriminalize them. Uh, because they, the, the, the seriousness or whatever of the offense doesn't warrant criminalization. That's all he was getting at. Um, and again, I think we can twist anybody's words uh, in a way to fit a particular narrative, depending on how we feel about the people or the topic in general. And we see that all over the place in societal culture. Um, our third sort of comment, um, which is more of a comment than a question, and it's a bit of a dig. Um, we did the episode around, um, you know, uh, the awards and, you know, is it the best or is it the model? And someone said uh, sort of very flippantly, um, I think it's naive and dangerous to call yourselves DEI practitioners who don't understand the need 
to politicize awards. For some of these people to get awards, it's the only way that they're going to get ahead. I said what I said. Um, I've heard this before. Um, you know, people who defend sort of, um, you know, the the idea that awards could and should be given based on something other than 100% merit, um, but, you know, for the purpose of advocacy and social, you know, promotion. Um, I said this during the episode we did, um, Michelle Yao's group, meaning like her, you know, her agent and people who were on her publicity team, uh, you know, very much openly said that, um, you know, the importance of her being awarded what it does for, you know, Asian uh, Pacific heritage actresses um, should be enough for voters to be swayed. I mean, I've, I've, I've heard that before. Um, a lot of similar things are being said right now about Lily Gladstone potentially winning Best Actress for Killers of the Flower Moon and what it would do for indigenous actors and actresses. Um, all I would say is, is, and I said this during the break, uh, or I'm sorry, during the uh, episode, is if that becomes something that is overt and out there, it will dampen, cheapen even, an already sort of dwindling level of support and um, uh, recognition around awards. Um, and to this whole thing about how can we call ourselves DEI advocates and and not promote the politicization, um, I think part of our job as DEI, anything, practitioners, advocates, whatever, um, is to really hold true to what the E, the equity in DEI means and what it doesn't mean. In my opinion, equity isn't about tokenism, and that's the last thing we should want to promote uh, for whatever reason. All that said, and I'll turn it over to events, uh, we do acknowledge, and we've said this in several other episodes, that the best is 100% subjective. So somebody winning, because they're the best, all that means is, is that they were the favorite of whoever the majority of the voters were. It's not one plus one equals two. We've always acknowledged that. But to overtly suggest that someone should win for for reasons other than their con, you know, how well they did in a particular category is simply something that I don't believe uh, represents what equity and inclusion and diversity and belonging are supposed to be about. Uh, Vince, uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I just, I don't understand. You know, I like I, I, I struggle with the. The, jub the judgment that comes in the absence of judgment, you know, like, what, what, we're just, I'm not saying that uh, the fact that you're the f f first black person or the first Asian, the first, uh, whatever. To, to be considered shouldn't be considered as a factor i mean so subjectively we're gonna we're that's that may be a part it shouldn't be used to exclude you and it all shouldn't be also shouldn't be the the defining factor should it be something that we consider of course what well, why not um 
but we don't just give awards because this person never got one or give awards because uh, we have, we got to find a way to recognize this. If you're giving awards, awards outside of accomplishment, how different are we from the very systems that we're trying to change where people who were worthy were not recognized because of. And so, I mean, Colors of the Flower Moon was amazing. You put that, that, uh, you put that online with its peer productions, it stands out based on merit as well. Now we have the opportunity to recognize some other things that are involved. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying we don't eliminate people because this is this is our one chance, you know? Does it merit being even considered? If it does, then what sets it apart from the rest? Yeah, and I'll just say, I've said this in the last episode. If I were a voter and I was really, really struck, struck between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yao because I thought their performances were equal, I probably would vote for Michelle Yao for the factors you talked about. But it's only because I looked at them and said, otherwise, I don't know what the other factor would be that would put one above the other. But if I, but if I thought that Kate Blanchett's performance was that much better, I would vote for Kate Blanchett. But if it would put all things considered equal, then yes, of course you consider that. Um, but again, it's all subjective. Um, let's get to question number three. And this one I'm curious your thoughts about because I actually get these a lot on LinkedIn. Um, but someone, someone has asked me to sort of talk about the why on this podcast, like the, the why we won't do this. And, I'll, and I'll, let me set it up and I'm going to turn it over to you first. So I've gotten a number of requests on LinkedIn from people who follow me that go something like this. Um, I love your post, love your podcast, love what you and Vince are doing. Um, love that you hold people accountable. In that, they'll talk about how they were let go from a job or they still work in a job that has a toxic culture. And what they'll tend to do, Vince, is to ask if we can come into the organization, you know, to sort of investigate the toxicity. But what they're often surprised about, and I do think they're all they're genuinely surprised. I think what they're often surprised about is the fact that we can't just do that uninvited. So this last guy sends me this email and he says, you know, you need to go in there. So many bad things are happening. So many people are being bullied. And I said, we can reach out to the CEO, you know, provide some, you know, anonymous context and see if the CEO responds. And he said, why can't you just go in and investigate? And I don't think, I really don't think he's asking it flippantly because a lot of people have asked this. And I think they compare it to like what they see in the news where, you know, somebody goes undercover into an organization and uncovers something dastardly or whatever. But can you just talk a bit, a little bit about, oh, let me back up. Cause then he said, I told him we couldn't do it. And he said, I'd really, tr I'm really trying to understand why, because it seems like this thing is fairly common. So in what way would you describe to our listeners why we can't just go into organizations uninvited and do some sort of investigation or some undercover work? Like why that's not how it works. And I know it sounds like a an obvious answer maybe to us, but I'm telling you, I've gotten a number of people who've asked this question. 
we are not uh, mythbusters or you know like one of these you know i'm sure there are organizations out there that might do this type of stuff uh uh maybe who knows maybe there's a future uh reality show where you have a team of people who go into organizations kind of like a undercover boss but it's like undercover uh culture vulture or something i don't know i i don't know but they invade in it but that's that's not who we are everything about our discovery and solution and uh solutioning has to do with the workforce you know it it's, it starts with the organization and it's implemented by the organization so organizational leaders are not on board then it makes it very difficult to enter that space and work with them. They have to also change. Um, and we have to be able to give them opportunity to change uh, through the fairness of our assessment. Um, we can't just knock down doors, you know, of scale walls and coming through the window like Batman uh, used to. Like, And if we did, what would we be able to cheat to achieve realistically? Uh, we might be able to highlight some things, but if we come in with the idea that we're looking for a particular thing, find that thing and highlight it, we came in biased. We came in looking for injustice and found it. But how do we how do we then change the culture around that? we are not neutral enough to be able to assess it or to be able to truly discover what's at the root of it. Um, and if you get that type of reputation, then what happens is organizations that would have brought you in, um, that would have trusted you, now have reason not to. Yeah, I was... That last part is the first thing that struck struck me when I got asked the question, uh, like, how would we describe it? So I'll, I'll won't duplicate that. Um, I, I'll just say um, there's actually a legal issue here uh, as well, um, which is, you know, um, providing some false sense of problems for the purpose of getting into an organization, you know, creating false narratives, creating... Uh, uh, you know, more sort of headwinds than are really there um, ha is a legal issue. Um, it's also that we don't it's not that we don't believe that there are toxic people or that or that even the culture might be toxic. But we are very neutral from start to finish so that whatever our end result is can be defensible. But if we go into an organization with sort of a guns blazing approach because of uh, a couple people have told us that it's a toxic place the end state's going to be indefensible because if you're the senior leader on the other side and i think rightfully so your mindset's going to be so you came here because you were told we were a toxic culture and it just so happened that when you left you assessed us as a toxic culture where's the objectivity where's the you know if you came in with that mindset how are we supposed to trust that you looked at all of the facts and all of the feelings through a neutral lens and if we didn't it becomes a it becomes very difficult uh, for the findings to be um, taken seriously, quite frankly. Um, 
I don't really have anything else to add to that, but we've gotten, I, I've gotten that question or that sort of scenario so many times from people on LinkedIn and I get where they're coming from. They're in a bad place. Um, they, they want, they want the organization to be held accountable, or the leaders to be held accountable, but without transparency on the front end, you are going to have chaos on the back end. Um, yeah, we're not, we don't have a bit. I mean, we may have a facilitator's badge, <laughs> but it's not, we're not, we don't have an enforcement badge. You know, like you, even when, even when law enforcement breaks into a place to discover something, they have to have legal backing. Right. Otherwise they're subject to all kinds of, and, and I mean, you, the last thing you want to do is make a company's uh, vultures rich uh, by awarding them, you know, having to award them money uh, because the method of discovery was not acceptable. It's illegal. That's a, that's a very, very, very good point. Well, and I said at the beginning, this was sort of a shorter episode in terms of questions because we, you know, we lost a couple episodes on vacay. So I say we end this week on our song category thing, which is going to be around crime because we got the question about, you know, Ben Crump and, you know, redefining crime. So just song titles that have uh, something to do with crime, some word specific to crime in the title, in the like title. Smooth Criminal by Michael Jackson. See yeah. how I started that? I see how you did that. I see what yeah. you did. Yeah, that was that was. Uh... That was almost criminal of you. Uh, how about Is It a Crime by uh, Shade? Criminal by Fiona Apple. Uh, um, this is rough. Uh, Dude, you got tons of these. Come on. Really? Yes, with police and yeah, yeah, come on. But that... Uh, Anything that has to do with crime, the, specific the, to crime. After police. Yeah, I, I figured that's where you'd go next. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I'm going to do I Fought the Law. I Fought the Law and the Law won. I don't remember who sings it, but. Crime Story by DMX. Uh, Capital Punishment by Big Pun. Um, uh, uh, um okay uh let me think about it. oh um uh, uh mrs off mrs officer by Lil Wayne oh Wayne yeah um, nine one one is a joke by Public Enemy. So get up and get 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 down. Uh, um, they have. Uh, did you stop the violence? Is that that's violence is a crime, right? Mm, a little. Well, I mean, it is, but I mean, I think it's a little broad. Uh, but there's a couple still out there. All right, all right, all right. Um, 
since that wasn't uh, acceptable. Um, this is tough. This is a tough one. Um, um, let's see. Prime. Uh, I, I think I got a. Uh, I think I got an angle. Okay. Um, got an angle. How about, he's stalling y'all. You know, they, this is what happens when he's how, like desperate. How about <laughs> I am desperate? How about uh, uh, what's that one? What um, it's a country song. It's like I'm in a bar and. Country song in a bar. Yeah, I never heard one of them before. <laughs> no, no, no. He, uh... I, took... I mean, it may not matter. I got three on the game. I got three in the clip. Yeah, so. you, you may. You, you, you... I got Breaking the Law by Judas Priest. I have Been Caught Stealing by Jane's Addiction. Like, literally caught stealing. Um, Breaking the Law, Breaking the Law. Actually, I got two in the clip. Um, I don't have. There's no songs that have the word cops in them. Uh, Murder was the case. That's obviously directly tied to law. Murder was the case that they gave me. I do Steal Away by. uh, So you're like five ahead. So Steal Away by Etta James. Um, I'm only two. I'm only three ahead because I just gave you three. But yeah, so now I'm two ahead. Uh, Lie, cheat, steal oh. by uh, Killer. Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> steal. Yeah. Uh, ramen and stealing, Beastie Boys. Okay, so we're tied up again. Um, stealing, yeah. That whole stealing one, you got me on that one. Um, and we might be tied up because those were the three I had in the clip. So, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't think of any others. Um, I'm also trying to think of more that had the word "law" in them besides breaking the law. And I fought the law, but uh, I shot the sheriff. Sheriff is obviously a part of law. Miss Officer, come on. The sheriff is literally yeah, like, all right, all right, all right. Uh-huh, so I'm up by one. You see that? Ah, Sean, the sheriff. That's what it was. I was thinking of. Uh, and just. But it's not. It's, 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 I think it's called. Uh, uh, is it stepped away? You know what I mean? Um, it's, he talks about he uh, stole his the car and wrecked it, and then stepped away. What's the name of that song? I mean, I know a couple of songs that are about. So like people die murdering and somebody getting charged, but that's not the name of the title. Uh, like 
Long Black Veil is about a murder. Uh, so is Hazard with Richard Marks. Uh, but I don't, yeah, I don't know the one you're talking about. Um, uh, I'm going to find it. I got to find it. But uh, how about uh, Murder, She Wrote by... Um... Yeah, Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. And she wrote. Yeah, I know what you're only talking about. I don't know who sings it, but I'm, that's a great one. Uh, it's it's uh, reggae. I know that. I can't yeah, remember. yeah. Came out the same time Mad Cobra came out. Uh, uh, well, at least the remake did, not the original. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say we're tied up because uh, I'm losing steam with this one. I'm, I'm, I, I keep thinking of the group, the police, and the group sheriff. Uh, but uh, uh, killing me softly with his song mm-hmm. that brings up a whole nother thing. Uh, the kill by Thirty Seconds to Mar- Mars. Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna do killing, uh, and murder in the name by Rage Against the Machine, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, killing in the name of oh, oh, that's all. Killing in the name is also Rage Against the Machine. Oh, that's actually the one I meant. No, it's not murder in the name. It's killing in the name. So I was wrong about that. Uh, Killer Queen. Killer Queen. Stolen by Dashboard Confessional. Stole My Heart by Lilla and Ashley. Um, Yeah. The whole kill one. Yeah, I, I, I think you're obviously up by a couple now. Uh, I'm gonna give this yeah, one. Kill save me, because then, then I got a view to kill by Duran Duran. Yeah, okay, you got me. Okay, you, you got me on. You got me on this whole kill thing, because uh, anyone I probably would have came up with, you just you just slapped the table with, <laughs> and I feel slapped in the face. I feel attacked. <laughs> I feel crucified, persecuted, <laughs> and maybe I'm just max. I lost. It's that's probably what it is. Okay, okay. Got wind out. Um, uh, you won this one. You you take the you take the hill here. Uh, I needed. Got got to get the army. You know, something so so they can remain army strong. Uh, but we appreciate you all's questions. Uh, again, a little lighter on the questions this time, but that's a little bit on us and our vacay. Um, but keep the questions coming in, and uh, there will be a mailbag twelve around the around the corner, uh, or down on the corner by Credence. Uh, yeah. <laughs> any any final words there, Vince? Again, we do appreciate you for listening. Uh, uh, this wouldn't be what it is without you. Uh, so uh, we ask that you like, share, um, and by all means, keep the conversation going. I'm Vince Brantley. I'm Chris Armstrong. We have been talking on eggshells. We-